We are saved by grace, but for good works, so we could do the Father's will. When we come to salvation through Jesus Christ, we are supposed to do good works, and then both the conversion and good works will count, but only if the intention of our heart is right. So it's not just about doing good things or about faith alone, but rather it is mainly about getting the reason, the why in our lives right. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about what we are striving for. This life is not easy, and if a person chooses to follow Christ, then this life will become even more challenging sooner or later. Most things are a struggle, especially those that are worthy. Everything bears a cost, but the only person worth striving for, worth fighting the battles and winning the war for our soul, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to eternal life and eternal reward, the only means we have to enter God's kingdom. But we must strive for Him, and we must do it with everything we are, so that we can attain the prize. Today's message is inspired on 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your love and your mercy and your grace. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for the salvation and grace that we find through him. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray for the forgiveness of my sins. Heavenly Father, I know that I have been forgiven. But Heavenly Father, I pray for your continual forgiveness for all the wrongs that I do. Please, O God, always remember us in your mercy. I pray, Heavenly Father, now for the power of your Holy Spirit, for your guidance, for your ministering. Lord God, that it may be your words that may come out of my mouth and touch our hearts and our minds and everything that we are, that we may be sensitive to your will and to do those things that please you. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's passage can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the word of the Lord. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it an oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, 
and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we are for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. At the beginning of this passage, the Apostle Paul is defending his case to the church in Corinth, that he was entitled to certain things, if you will, to some help, because if it were not for him, they would not even know of the gospel and of the spiritual gifts they enjoyed and felt so proud of. The issue that happened with the church in Corinth was that they became so proud in themselves that they even judged the Apostle Paul for things that were of either small importance and they were not even willing to help him in his times of need nor accepting of him to have things that are lawful and sinless. It was a church that became engrossed in pride. And what's worse is that they had nothing to be proud of. There was much sin and disorder in the church, such things that were foreign even to unbelievers. An example of immorality within the church was that a man and his son shared the same woman sexually. And this is the first thing we can look at, this issue of pride. Pride clouds judgment and equity in people. Pride doesn't let people see certain realities such as the things they are doing wrong. And they justify people that don't deserve to be justified. And they judge and condemn people that are innocent. That is exactly what was happening in this church. They became proud of the spiritual gifts that were bestowed on them by the Holy Spirit. But their pride clouded their sight from the awful sins they were committing and even condoning. And they supported and even spoiled people that had done nothing for them. And they turned against people like Paul that had sacrificed everything for them so that they could receive the gospel with a strong and blameless testimony. In summary, their pride made them fall from their faith by practicing those things that are unjustifiable before the Lord and it caused them to be unfair people. And this did not help them and least of all glorify God. And that's what happens to everyone that gets entangled with pride. Now someone may argue, 
But how can these people in Corinth be in the wrong if they had spiritual gifts? And that is an easy answer to arrive at if we look at other parts of Scripture. There are three passages that come to mind that clarify that just because people seem to be doing spiritual or good things, that they can still fall short of the kingdom of God in the end. In other words, doing spiritual things does not guarantee a person entrance into God's kingdom, even though good works are a requirement as a product of their faith. And so good works and or spiritual gifts cannot be taken as evidence of a person's justification before God. The first instance that we can mention given to us by the Lord himself was when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so God's word is very clear in that people can do great things that seem like they are in the right before the Lord, yet can miss the entire purpose of the gospel, which is the salvation of their own souls. This passage is crystal clear in that a person could be doing things that seem right and good and yet get it wrong for themselves. So just because a person preaches or casts out demons or even does miracles in the name of the Lord does not mean that their relationship is right with the Lord. And least of all, that they have ample entrance into God's kingdom. We need to be very careful with this. Galatians chapter 5 also tells us this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you see, a person will not inherit the kingdom of God if they are practicing sin or living a sinful lifestyle. Now, someone might say, how much does a person need to sin for God to not let them into his kingdom? The first thing that a person must be fully aware of is if there has been complete repentance of sin. If a person has completely repented and turned away from their sins according to the scriptures, then they can be saved. And of course, if they put their complete faith on Christ. But if there is no complete repentance of turning away from a sinful lifestyle, then they are not fulfilling the requirement for salvation. There can be no salvation, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit, if a person remains in their fallen state, if there is no turning away from their sins. The Word of God tells us that we must die to ourselves, which means that there needs to be 100% repentance. Now, does that mean that a person becomes perfect when they come to Christ? The answer is no. We will still sin until the day we die. But the difference is that a person cannot live a lifestyle that is sinful by practicing sin, which means that they keep doing the same wrong things over and over and over again without any desire of to change or will to stop doing what is wrong. One of the main things that comes with complete surrender to the Lord's will is that he comes to break the cycle of sin. We are made completely free from the bondage of sin. If we have been born again in Christ, which again, occurs when a person has repented and converted completely from all their sins and has accepted Jesus Christ as a literal and effective Lord of their lives. But even within all of that, we must always remember that free will 
never goes away and that we must be careful with falling again into sin by giving into the sinful desires or the lusts of the flesh that still reside within us. We will need to deal with our flesh until we shed this temporary existence and are made new physically and spiritually in the coming age. The Bible explains that we will have glorified bodies, so we will have some sort of form that will be sinless, and that's why we will be able to live eternally. Sin is what causes our bodies to deteriorate. That's the problem with sin. Another passage that shows us clearly that we can lose our way and or do things for the wrong reasons is within the first epistle to the Corinthians itself, where it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So this passage is very clear in that a person can speak in tongues and preach and understand all kinds of things and have strong mountain-moving faith and even give of themselves sacrificially and yet still get it wrong because their intentions are wrong, because there is something inside of them that is not right with the Lord. If a person is in that state or condition, then love for the Lord is not the motivator. There is an ulterior motive. We always need to remember that God will judge us by the intent of our hearts, not necessarily just by our actions. God is interested in what we do, but also why we do what we do. This is what Jeremiah chapter 17 tells us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. When we come to Christ, and the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives, we need for the intention of our heart to be changed and transformed from being led by our sinful nature to coming to love the Lord with everything we are, just like the law says. Jesus himself reiterated this very crucial point. Mark chapter 12 relates this to us. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, speaking of Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Now someone may argue, Doesn't grace do away with the law? And the answer is no. We can never fulfill the law on our own, so we cannot be saved on our own merit or by our own works. But we need to be mindful that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, and he did it within his person, in the flesh. And God's intention through Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is to help us fulfill the law. And the fulfillment of the law 
is loving the Lord with everything we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That is what the Holy Spirit is after in our own lives through his guidance and the instruction of the word of God. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. We always need to remember that salvation has a purpose. We are not saved so we can just live our lives however we want. We are saved with a purpose. And that purpose is to do the will of the Father. We were created by God and to serve Him, not to serve ourselves. When we were dead in our sins, we were not fulfilling the purpose of our existence. When Christ came to die on the cross, to give us eternal life through Him, the goal was to restore the original purpose for why we were made and created for. This is what the Bible tells us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace, but for good works, so we could do the Father's will. When we come to salvation through Jesus Christ, we are supposed to do good works, and then both the conversion and good works will count but only if the intention of our heart is right. So it's not just about doing good things or about faith alone, but rather it is mainly about getting the reason, the why in our lives right. It's about striving, but with the right intention in our heart. We need to learn how to do everything we do because we have come to love the Lord. That's the point of salvation. That's the goal. The word of God tells us this in Colossians chapter three, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So you see, we need to do everything for the sake of our love for Christ. The reason why I should love my family is because my love for the Lord. The reason for why I do my job should not be for the money or for getting ahead or even to buy what is necessary. The primary reason for why I do my job as best as I can is because I am doing it like if I am serving Christ through it. If I love my enemy like the Bible tells me I should, it's because I have come to love Christ and because I want to please him. This is how we make everything count towards eternity. This is what God is interested in the most. That's why you can serve God wherever you are. Just make sure that you are in a place where God wants you to be and that you are doing what he wants you to do. That's the implication of the Lord's servant relationship. We're not supposed to be doing our own will. We're supposed to be looking to do the Lord's will. We need to allow ourselves to be guided by him, which takes us to our last point. How can we stay on track? How do I make sure that I continue striving for what does matter? Nothing in this life is easy, or at least nothing good and worthwhile is easy, especially following the Lord. Whoever tells you that following Christ is easy, does not understand what the Bible says about it. There is a cost. Jesus Christ said that we need to count the cost because there is a cost involved. There is a struggle, there is a fight. We need to strive to work in Christ to be able to get into the kingdom of God. We are not saved by works, but our faith is revealed through our works, through our fruit. The word of God tells us this. Then one said to him, Lord, 
are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Matthew chapter 7 also says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so following Christ is not easy. Coming back to our key passage, the Apostle Paul showed a difficult life where even those that he served gave him a hard time and didn't even help him in some of his greatest moments of need. If we are in Christ, then we need to strive for Christ by following him, by making sure that our intention is right and true and that we don't allow ourselves to be led by the flesh, but rather by his Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And I just mentioned that we need to keep our intention both right and true. What should be our reason, our why we walk in the spirit? What should be the reason, the intent of our heart for everything we do? Mark chapter 12 says this again, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If we struggle, if we fight, if we strive for anything in this life, we need to make sure that it is all because we love the Lord with everything we are and because we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. In another part of the scriptures, it was written that Jesus said that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. When Christ is at the center of your life, when you have made him your Lord and master over everything in your life, the Holy Spirit will guide you to fulfill these commandments. This is what should happen in every follower of Jesus Christ, and it should be the reason for why we strive. This life can be a struggle. The Bible does not tell us that when we come to faith in Christ, that this life will be easy. It will not be easy. The Bible teaches us that we will go through temptation, trial, and even tribulation for our faith in Christ. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to conquer the sin within our flesh. We are to crucify the desires of our flesh. But that is not easy. That is by far the greatest challenge we will ever have as people. This is what makes following Christ difficult because everything in this world looks to satisfy the flesh, to please the flesh, the evil desires that still reside within us, even if we have come to have true faith in Christ. The Lord tells us to endure, to overcome, but the flesh says, do as I say. The flesh says, give in to temptation. Enjoy the things of this world. Don't make life so difficult for yourself. 
And the world says, live life however you want. Make yourself happy. Do whatever makes you happy because that is all that matters. And everything may seem fine and well while a person is wallowing in their sin. Some people might think and say, they look happy in what they're doing. It doesn't seem like lightning is going to strike them or something like that. Some people even mistake things going well as being blessed by God. Some people think, I must be doing things right and that's why things are going well for me. But make no mistake, sin will always lead to death and the worst kind of death. We will all die one day. That is unavoidable. The Word of God says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. This is what we need to keep in mind. When we die, we will all face the judgment. We will all need to give an account before the Lord God Almighty. And if a person remains in their sin, if they don't crucify the flesh and live to do the Father's will, they will be condemned for their sin forever. There is where sin's ultimate sting, if you will, shall be revealed. The worst consequence sin produces, if not dealt with through the Lord Jesus Christ, is eternal death, the eternal separation from God and everything that belongs to Him. This is why we must strive against the flesh, against the things of this world, and of course, against the temptation of Satan himself. Satan's goal to tempting you will always be to get you to abandon the faith, to veer off the path, which is Christ, and he entices the desires of your flesh to get you to leave your faith in Christ, to ruin the intent of your heart. He doesn't want you to have eternal life. He wants you to be in his same eternal misery. This is something we really need to understand. Satan is all evil, and so anything under his control will be evil, and that includes the world and sin. But God is all good, and that's why we need to strive for Him. We need to love Him so that this love can help us face any temptation, any circumstance. For it is written, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. So, is it easy to follow Christ? No. But is it worth it? You bet it is. Nothing can compare to God and to what He has in store for those that love Him. Nothing can compare to the eternity we can have through the Lord Jesus Christ, but we need to pay the price because everything in this life bears a cost. God gives us salvation through Jesus Christ, but the forgiveness of our sins carried an incredible cost, the death of God's only begotten Son. Jesus paid the cost, so you can have eternal life. But our cost is giving up our lives for Him like He gave it up for us. This is what we need to consider. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And so I urge you, become a friend of God and do as He tells us to do in His Word. Strive to love the Lord with everything you are and to show Him that love by doing whatever He tells you to do. Striving for the Lord is worth it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessing and honor and glory be your name. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, O Lord, for the eternal hope and grace that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to not only come to faith, to not only repent from our sins, to not only do good works, but to be able to come to love you with everything we are, to be able to appreciate everything you have done for us and all the things that you intend to do for us. And help us, O Lord, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us, O Lord, to be led by your Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to him and to do as he prompts us to do. Help us to be able to keep our eyes on Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us to strive. Nothing in this world is easy, and especially following you. But Lord, help us, O Lord, to be able to strive and to struggle and to fight to be with you, Lord God, to do the things that please you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the value that you have and the value that is in everything that you offer us so graciously. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.